Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 97. Today, we'll be sharing tips and advice for new teachers. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from our week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now it's time to share some highs and lows from our teaching week. So Tanya, what would you like to share today? Well, I had to write this down because, you know, when things happen, um, I often forget the highs and I focus on the lows a lot of times. So I'm going to go high again. Nice. Okay. Um, This was not last week, but the week before. My principal, uh, she keeps walking in my room. It's her second year at our school. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she keeps walking in my room when she hears music. Like she walked in the second day of school and she heard Sasha. And she was like, oh, I love this one. And I guess she'd heard it before because <laughs> nice. it's a very popular one. But um, the the other day or the other week, uh, she walked in while we were listening to um, Celia, Celia Cruz, excuse me. And she was like, I just love how you bring in so many variety, so many different genres of music. Oh, yay. And I'm like, well, cool. Thank nice. you. So that's always nice. Yeah. I mean, to be yeah. complimented by an administrator ever is great. Uh-huh. And to be complimented on something specifically that you are like, I mean, you just knowing you, Tanya, knowing that you've been trying to, we all are trying to incorporate more diverse musics into our classrooms. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that cool. was very meaningful, and had to write it down and remember it because, um, yeah, because yeah, that's a cool thing. Awesome. What about you? Um, okay, can I share a personal high first? Yes. Tanya knows. Yes. We just got two new kittens oh, last so night. Cute. So excited. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbs are our two new kittens. They're orangey and oh so cute. Yes, they're adorable. So that that's going on. My kids are just enamored and cuddling the kittens all day. So that's fun. Okay, and then for school, um, I just want to share just kind of a, a general overall high. So this is my second week at my traveling school and this is my second year at my traveling school and of course joining a traveling school during COVID times was super awkward and strange and difficult and what I've noticed this week is just um, really feeling at ease with the students and just that really nice like I kind of know where they're at so I know where to go next and really this is just kind of on point for what our main theme is going to be for this year is you know, for anyone who's in a school that's new to you, whether you're a first-year teacher or just new to a new school, that year is always hard, and it's going to be hard no matter what, just because there's challenges, and we're going to talk about that. But just know the light at the end of the tunnel is year two is so much better. Totally. And I'm just feeling really good about being there. The kids recognize me and know me, and I just I feel like it's, it's another little home for me besides my home school. So that's just been a good feeling this week. Yeah. And now it's time for our main theme. So the idea of this particular episode is we are aiming all this advice towards first, second, maybe even third year teachers. Yeah. I often joke that I was a first year teacher for three years in a row because I feel like (laughs) 
I had a first year like over and over. I didn't know what I was doing. It's amazing that I'm still, I'm still teaching. Um, yeah. A so lot of us get started that way. Yeah. Well, and it was before any Kodai training, so I was kind of like, sure, you know, stabbing in the wind, like when. I'm mixing metaphors, but you know what I mean. I was just <laughs> yeah. like, I'll do this thing. Oh, I saw, I remember this from my methods classes. I'll do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that bombed. Why did it bomb? Don't know. Let's try something different. Yeah. Like that was just for three years. Sure. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully with that said, even though, you know, we're really, this is a love letter to new teachers. If you are not a new teacher, maybe you'll still get a little nugget of like, oh, because that happens to me all the all time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> so don't turn us off. Keep listening. Yes. Yes. We are <laughs> never so experienced or quote old or whatever that we can't always learn something new. And, and that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to be a very exciting career for you. Yeah. Yeah. So in that realm, um, first of all, find your inspiration. Find things that, you know, excite you about um, teaching music. And along these lines, maybe you want to sit down and write out a mission statement. That sounds very huge, but it doesn't have to be extremely well-crafted. You know, you don't have to take a, a... a workshop to learn how to write a mission statement just like why do you want to do this why do you want to teach music right. what's your philosophy why 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 do you think that this is what you want to spend your time doing yeah and I think especially you know since we are often certified k-12 and then sometimes we don't get that job we expected having so um, I hear a lot of stories and I'm one of those stories of people who thought they were going to do secondary. I thought I was going to be a choir teacher like forever. That was Same. my goal. Yes. And then I got an elementary job thinking I'm just going to do this for a couple of years till I get that big choir gig. Right. And guess what? I love it and I'm still here. Yes. So especially if that's you, if you thought you'd be in the secondary world and, and you're now in the elementary world or maybe vice versa, either way, you know, just taking that time to really think, okay, I'm here now and these are my students. How can I provide them? the best of me and the best for them and what music aspects do I want to highlight and elevate over others yeah exactly along those lines and you alluded to it just now is um, what is most important for your students to come away with when they leave your classroom either at the end of the day or at the end of the year or at the end of their elementary music career what do you want to stick more than anything right and you might find along the way that your philosophy is very close to a philosophy of a specific music pedagogy slash philosophy slash method. I hate that word, but right. you know what I mean. Um, so, and if it does, if you're like, wow, the ORF tenets of, you know, what ORF is all about really speak to me, then wow, you should, that's a great thing to know about yourself and yeah you should go get training you should be going to workshops kodai if those kodai tenants speak to you and that's after my three years of teaching really what happened to me is that i saw jill trinka and she talked the talk and walked the walk and, yeah and sang the song anyway uh she she you know talked a tiny bit of kodai in a workshop I saw given by her and I was like whoa that's exactly what I want to be living is this Kodai philosophy which started me on my my path of Kodai and so you know if you have if you notice that 
what you believe in and what you really want to bring to your students aligns with something, then wow, you should go there. And that's going to lead you down you know, uh, maybe a more specific path rather than just, oh, look at this flashy thing over here and this flashy thing over here. And this is where we, we always give that reminder of social media and the comparison game that happens with Facebook and Instagram and all those things that, you know, there might just be like this cute, flashy little activity that, yeah, that's going to get you through a lesson or maybe two, but is that going to get you through the long haul of the whole year or hopefully even longer if you're planning on staying in that school for a while? Right. So this is where, like like you said, if you know that the, the ORF philosophy is jiving with you, now you know you can specifically really follow and watch those ORF-inspired teachers on social media mm-hmm. and really kind of stick to that path for a little bit so you're not going all over the place. It's right. better to, to go into depth in one path for now and rather than try to branch off and do all the things all the time. Right. And and we realize this is a very unpopular opinion. Yes. Um, that <laughs> the popular opinion is I do ORF and I do Delcross and I do Kodai and yeah. I do... Uh, no, you don't. Right. Um, <laughs> you might use tools from all of those things, but really it's kind of insulting to any of those um, schools of thought to break it down to... If I'm sitting in an ORF Instruments, I'm doing ORF. No, right. if it I'm goes, doing hand signs, I'm doing Kodai. Yeah, it goes That's much deeper works. than that. And right. so really, um, you owe it to yourself to like focus on a path and kind of steep yourself and your students in that. Yeah. And that's not to say that you can't take little activities or songs or chants or whatever from other places. I've done, I've gotten so many ORF workshops. Yeah. I've used so many things, but it's always going to be within a Kodai context. Right. Yeah. But anyway, if you find things that you love, find your inspiration, then yeah, like steep yourself in that and take it for a test drive in your classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So And then find inspiration within the literature and repertoire that you're doing. Make sure that you are using songs, chants, listening activities, instrumental opportunities that you love and you find to be beautiful, fun, inspirational. Because guess what? If you hate Snail Snail and you end up singing Snail Snail with four different kindergarten classes, mm-hmm. you're going to be miserable. You know, like there's a point where you just can't fake it anymore. Yeah. You know, so just, you know, don't do literature just because somebody else said that you have to. Make oh, sure for that sure. it's something that you like. There are certain songs, Tanya and I do this all the time. We just did this the other day. We uh-huh. were talking about something and I was like, I don't like that one. And then you were talking about, I was talking about something and you were like, I don't like that one. Yeah. Like, just because, I and mean, we've had the same Kodai training from many of the same people. And, you know, so it, your, your feelings come into play. Yes. And then obviously your kids, you know, just kind of be aware. Not necessarily say only do things they say they like because sometimes they say they don't like something and they end up loving it but also just be aware of your kids background and be aware of, of the things that are kind of jiving in their world mm-hmm. and see if you can you know bring some of those things in as well definitely yeah. yeah I had this problem my very first year of teaching and I um was a part of the ORF chapter in New Mexico they are wonderful people awesome chapter in New Mexico well it's been a long time so I don't know what's going on Right. In New Mexico. But anyway, so I would go to a workshop. It was usually a full day workshop. Like I'm talking nine till four thirty right. workshops, how they used to be. Yeah. And I would take that packet and I would just 
right. I didn't have anything but, else. Right, right. And this is this is this is before the internet people. Well, yeah, before it was when the internet was gearing up. So yes. yeah, that dates me. Whatever. And so I'd take that packet and I'd be like, I'm going to do all the things because I don't know what else I can do. Um, I did have a textbook series. Yeah. And um, some of the things that I came across either in the, in the textbook or the ORF workshops I would do and it would be like after two classes of doing a specific song or chant I'd be like oh I hate this one oh <laughs> but I'd force myself because like well this is I what I'm supposed to else. do right yeah now you yeah there's so much repertoire yep. so we don't need find to do stuff, stuff we don't like mm-hmm. all right so find your inspiration is tip number one tip number two no surprise here. Get yourself some professional development and some training. Yeah. I think it is common knowledge that there is just so much about teaching music. There is no way your undergrad is going to prepare you. Or your Instagram stories. No. Not going to teach you how to <laughs> teach music. Not going to happen. No. So Tanya and I are big advocates for attending trainings in PD. Start with always look for what um, you know local workshops you have or now we have the beauty of virtual workshops from all over the place and they're much less expensive yeah yeah so whether it's from a local kodai chapter a local orf chapter a dull coast chapter or if you are a choral person and you're looking into acda things like look for things and go to things and we get it we understand the temptation sometimes you are so tired from teaching that the last thing you want to do is give up saturday or even a half a saturday to do training but the return on your investment is going to be so much better because with all of those ideas that you've gotten from these amazing workshops that that's going to sustain you and that's going to reinvigorate you. And then you'll be less tired theory the next week. I'm not saying it's a magic bullet, but it's definitely going to, it's going to be huge. Starting to go to here in Colorado, Rocky, the regional organization of Colorado Kodai educators going to those workshops saved me my first couple years of yes. teaching until I was able to get my Kodai training. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And look for deals for new teachers. Yeah. Um, I know the ORF chapter in our area, um, I think they offer like first, you can apply or something, but if you're a first year teacher, you can basically go for free. Right. Right. And I know in Rocky, well, it used to be that you could take a member, like if you were a, a member a of, of Oak, then you can bring somebody for a lesser cost. Yeah. So there are deals out there for new teachers. And obviously going to state conferences or like a regional conference, if you are involved in like a MEA of any sort, those are also really great places to to network and get to know local people in your area. And there's always a wide variety of things to go to. Yeah, and and it's awesome that um, it's always hard for music teachers to find our people because we're the only person in there. And I... I understand social media. Wow, we find our people there. There's lots of people yeah. that we can connect with, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, but it's good to meet people in person too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course, keep in mind there's lots of like PD on the go opportunities. I mean, we're listening to a podcast right now, so obviously you find value in that. So yes. you know, look for some really great podcasts that are going to lead you you know, down the path you're looking to want to go on. And we're not trying to completely dog on social media as far as getting no. inspiration in PD. But just remember that real PD is is not likely going to be found. Yeah, I think of the social media and even our podcast or anybody's podcast, that's kind of like your teaser. Yeah. Like, here's what this is all about. Yes. You want to dig further and then you go. 
We would never say, listen to our podcast and you don't need to go do training. Listen mm-hmm. to our podcast and you don't need to go to that workshop. We would never say no, that no. in a million years. Yeah. And yeah. Um, there's also a lot of membership groups mm-hmm. through social media. Yeah. And I would say the same thing goes for, I don't, I've not really participated. I've participated in a tech workshop from like Aileen right. call, which is awesome. But those, and you know, Aliens was very specifically technology. But any kind of music teacher membership thing that you might do, again, is kind of going to be like a, a teaser for like, yeah. okay, here's the tip of the iceberg. Want more? Mm-hmm. And then I I know that both Carrie and I were big old school fans of old school training. like training. Yeah. Like get your levels. Yes, yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing then to talk about is – Kodai levels, ORF levels, Dolcro's levels. I don't know if they necessarily call it levels, but training. Um, you know, we're talking about the things that happen in the summer. Um, you know, there there are people who want to get those right away. I will say, I, this might not be a popular opinion, I kind of advocate for, you know, finishing your first year of teaching, maybe even your second year, and then getting your levels because I like the idea of going in with some context of like, here's what I have been doing, here's what real kids are like. I know some people who have gotten levels right away, like either during undergrad or between that first summer of I graduated and I'm going to start teaching. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of benefit to that, but I also can see like if you haven't been in front of real kids, you might have a hard time imagining how you would do these things with real kids. Yeah. So it's just, totally just a, a food for thought. Maybe your first year or two, maybe you just go to workshops and then you consider starting your levels at another time right but you know difference of opinion i'm not saying you don't take level like if you want to take your level one after you finish your undergrad go for it do you um but the one advice that we'll say and we'll say it again and again and again and i don't think we'll ever stop saying it is don't take two levels in the same summer don't do level one kodai and level one orf in the same summer (laughs) do all three levels of one give yourself some time to steep in that then if you want to go back and do levels in the other, go for it. But we, we've we known students who have done both levels in the same summer, and it gets very convoluted and frustrating. Mm-hmm. So we just, this is just something we highly recommend. And it's so very tiring. <laughs> oh, my I goodness. can't imagine. I can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah. 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 So, hmm, yeah. That's And also, it's a big expense. Yeah, that's a whole lot of money. But, yeah. you know, and then there are a lot of programs like the one we teach at in Colorado where it's a master's degree program with levels included. So if you're wanting to do both, look for those types of programs because that's a good bang for your buck if you can get, you know, your, your levels training and whatever philosophy you want to get. Plus, it's like half of your master's degree. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's really great. So mm-hmm. Okay. All right, but next with, big tip. Within the school year... Um, find systems that work for you. So I'm thinking about talking about planning. Mm -hmm. So are you going to be a paper planner person? Are you going to go digital? Um, What works best for you? What routines that you start in your classroom or in your planning or in your, your daily life as a teacher, what routines can you sustain and maintain and are good and what things can you let go of especially your very first year of teaching I remember I was very much like I'm going to contribute to the school newsletter and I'm going to make contact with this many parents and I'm going to like you know what that sounds good Mm -hmm. and I was so tired it didn't happen and you got to let some things go Um, what are the things though that you really feel are the most important 
and what can you keep on going throughout the school year. So, well, back to your long range or short range planning. I was a paper person for a lot of years because that was really the only thing going. Well, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I had a very old school. They gave it to you at the at the front oh, office. The spiral bound. The spiral planners. bound thing. Yep. And I had to zhuzh it for music teaching. Yeah. So I had my highlighters because I had like, you know, a different color for every grade level. And I would just scribble all over that. And that was hard because those boxes are small. Right. For what we do. Yeah, this is true. And so that was a big, so I did a lot of handwriting on just blank pieces of paper Mm -hmm. or blank lined paper Mm -hmm. and um, kept those. I still have a notebook from my first two years of teaching. Oh, Oh, it's horrible. I bet it's interesting. It is so all over the place. (laughs) It is all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, right now, I'm really happy in the digital planning world. And well, on that note, can I also say, find out if you haven't already, whether you have to turn in lesson plans at the end of the year, because I remember my first year of teaching, I did write things down because I am, you know, in a planner in that way. So it wasn't a big deal, but I didn't know, like nobody told me. And then in May, somebody was like, okay, be ready to turn in your lesson plans as part of your checkout. And I was like, what? Because I wanted to keep them to be able to reference them the next year. And I was really bothered I had to turn them in. So it's just something you should know. Some schools, some districts require you to turn in your lesson plans. My very first year of teaching, I was at two schools. Yeah. I had one principal, and he said, I would like to have your lesson plans weekly. Oh, wow. And so I turned in my lesson plans. Oh, wow. So. And then he came back to me, and he said, "This, these need to be more detailed. It needs to be that a layperson could walk off the street and teach from your lesson plans. Was that like for prep for subs, or he no. was coaching you as a teacher? Yes. And, and you did that for everybody or just you because you were new? You know what? I really don't know. I didn't ask you were around. So in your own I world. was so terrified of everything. <laughs> and I was like, I guess this is how it goes. And wow. I was, I, you know, that whole thing, a layperson could walk off the street and teach from your lesson. I'm like, well, why the age am I here? <laughs> why do I have this degree, man? <laughs> why did I bother then? Why, why don't you get some guy walking down the street then? This then? year, we have a new principal in my school and he wanted us to give, like, kind of just bullet points, like, um, first week, like what are some of the routines and procedures? And he was really just looking for consistency between teachers and like whole school. Are we all on the same page? It wasn't like line by line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was, I just felt it was kind of punitive. I was yeah, like, why? That's really weird. But being a first year teacher, I had no idea. Right. Right. And right. so um, this isn't, we didn't write this down in our little, in our thing, but I'm just going to say as a first year teacher, um, it's a great idea if you have a union to get involved. Oh yeah, Junior. because you don't know what you don't know yeah. until someone says something. So my very first year in New Mexico, I did not know that I had rights as a teacher. Right. And at my second school, same principal by the way, I was given eight classes mm. when I was there during the week. Mm. Two of them were kindergarten. Oh. I did not know. And and I remember him saying, well, I really hate to do this, but there's really no way around it. You're going to have to have these eight classes. Wow. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess that's how it, it goes. It must have been short classes. The kindergartens were 30 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I was exhausted. Still, I yeah. mean, first year teaching, you're exhausted anyway. But I just wish I would have um, 
spoken to I mean sure. I wish I would have known yeah. that really I was being I was being used I was being stepped on yeah yeah joining your union is a good idea joining your union is a good idea if you have that and if you're at a right if you're in a right to work state uh, I'm sorry yeah I don't know what to tell you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of different all right, well, next tip is really more kind of a, a pedagogical thing, and it's about, you know, learning to break things down in scaffold. And this is probably really geared toward those of you who are teaching elementary, um, who haven't had a lot of experience with elementary kids. This was probably the biggest kind of learn-on-the-job thing that, that I learned mm-hmm. as I taught elementary kids is how much we have to break things down. And if it didn't work, guess what? Break it down more. And if it didn't work, guess down. Guess what? Break it down more um you know and then just a reminder of you know scaffolds are not meant to to stay forever once Mm -hmm. the kids are getting it then you can maybe remove those scaffolds and they can be a little bit more independent but providing them those scaffolds to 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 work on from the beginning so whether it's teaching them a singing game for the first time or you want to do an orf arrangement with them how can you break it down part by part Mm -hmm. and just you know a great reminder is you know think about um the the amount of time you spend on any little lesson segment to be the age of the child Mm -hmm. so if you've got kindergartners you don't want to be on any sort of lesson segment more than five minutes because or six minutes they're they're gonna they're going to lose their mind. But then as far as scaffolding goes, another great reminder too is think about the grade of the student and that's how many steps they can handle at once. That was told to me early on. That was really helpful. Yeah. So if you've got kids in second grade, you can give them two steps and you can say to them, I need you to get a paperboard and pencil from the counter and I need you to make a circle for this next activity. Mm-hmm. And they can do those things. Right. Where older kids, you could give them maybe a little bit more. Get your paperboard and pencil, make a circle, do question number one by yourself, work on question number two with a partner. So that and might let be me a say, if I was going thing. to list those many, yeah, I would put it on the board. Well, yeah, and I would also put it on the board, those, yes. and I would read it to them, yes. and I'd direct them to that, and I go, okay, <laughs> yeah. when I say the magic word, whatever, then you go and you do those things, yeah. right? And then. The kids will teach you. Oh, yeah. As far as all that is concerned. I mean, and even this year, um, I mean, every year, every year, you don't teach long enough and have enough experience that you ever, that uh, I'm always learning from the students. And I don't mean in a touchy-feely way. I mean (laughs) in a kindergartners, we're going to make a circle. And we're learning that that's a much more challenging thing this year than I've ever experienced before because (laughs) they've not been, for lack of a better word, schooled. Right. They they can't walk in a line. They can't like remembering to raise a hand to ask. Um, Their maturity level is just going to be because of what we've been through in the pandemic. um, It's just going to be like that. Uh, Along these kind of along the lines of scaffolding and of material is do you have activities that you can use across several grade levels? And I'm thinking primary, kindergarten, first, second, and third, fourth, fifth. So what I'm saying is it might be easier um, in your planning to take the same song but make it more challenging in first grade, in second grade, than you would in kindergarten. So maybe in kindergarten, you're singing the song, you're doing a beat motion right? We take that same song and in first grade, we're singing the song, we're doing the beat motion, and then you add 
um, a rhythm ostinato. Right. That actually would be more second grade, honestly, especially this time of year. (laughs) Um, So that could also help in your planning that you are using a song or a game or a chant in multiple grade levels, Mm -hmm. but switch it up according to developmentally what they can do. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then just a friendly reminder, you know, when things don't go well, take that moment to step back. And your first question should always be, what could I have done better? What could I have set up better for them? What could I have scaffolded better for them? And to not blame the kids. And unfortunately, we've all heard and, you know. I've been, I've done that. Oh, I've yeah, been, these like, children oh, don't have steady kids, beats. They just can't get this. And, yeah. and there could be some external things going on, of course. And you should be aware of them and know what's going on. Like you just said, like COVID year, we understand that kindergartners this year who weren't in preschool last year are behaving in a different way. We get that. But at the same time, then what can you do about it? Right. So take the things that are not in your control and only focus on the things that are in your control mm-hmm. and learn how to to break it down, step it differently, provide more visuals, whatever you need to do to help the kids get to where they can be because they can do it. They right. can be successful. Well, and you might get to a point where you go, okay, well, this particular song and game that I want to do with the kids and they're not getting it and then I broke it down and they're not getting it. Well, then you have to ask, is it worth it? <laughs> right. Is it developmentally appropriate for mm-hmm. this particular group and how much do I want them to have this this thing that I'm trying to teach them? Yeah. It might be that you have to like scrap it all together, right? Totally. So don't be afraid to do that as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, next piece of advice. Oh, pace yourself. Oh, yeah. Focus on your teaching of kids. And we spoke on our last episode, we spoke of this, and this is the throwing tomatoes part where people will throw tomatoes at us. That's fine. Um <laughs> Uh, okay, I did not have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and when I TPT to teach pay teachers. When I said I don't, I didn't have them. I don't mean I didn't. I mean the world didn't have these things (laughs) during my early part of my career. During the first what ten years of my career, yeah, these things didn't exist. Now I. I know I could get on my soapbox and say so many things, but in a way, I wish they did exist when I had done my first years of teaching because there's so many resources. There's so many people who are doing great things that really could have enhanced my teaching. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I know me, and I know I'm a glutton for I want to see all the things that are going on in the world of elementary music, and so I'm watching like all the Instagram everything and all the Facebook stuff and I'm not on TikTok because I don't have that kind of time in my life and I just know I'd go down that rabbit hole and it would be a big time suck but anyway what I'm trying to say is um, your first year your first two years your first oh let's say five to ten years of teaching Uh maybe focus being focus on growing your career and yourself as a teacher of elementary students or middle or high school. Or middle and high school students, <laughs> if whatever the case may be, and focus on being the best that you can be for those kids rather than finding a side hustle through Teachers Pay Teachers, being on Instagram, being on TikTok, um, because really you owe it to 
your elementary or middle school or high school students. You owe it. Those are that's what first should happen. Yes. is that you grow yourself as a music education professional with those kids. Now, here's the sad thing: it's not sexy, right. it's not flashy, and it's not fame-inducing. Right. Right. So you know, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, did it happen? It's the same thing. If it if you don't have pics, if there's not an Instagram story, was it a good lesson? Really, are you, what are you, why are you there? Um, why are you teaching what you're teaching? Is it for the Instagram community? Is it for the kids in the room? Yeah. And, and that's not to say hard. that you can't, like, proudly share what your kids are doing and, you know, ask questions. Oh, I tried this activity. What might you think about doing next? Or has anyone tried this? You know, and we'll talk about asking for help later. But the point being, like, you know, sharing pictures in, in a way that's appropriate. Make sure you're blurring out your students and pictures and videos, by the way. Never just put pictures and videos of your kids yeah. on social media without blurring them out. Um, anyways, that's the second soapbox. But, you know, there's a difference between that, between, like, you know, sharing and becoming a community. We're all for that versus, like, I am putting myself out there as a teacher of teachers. I am putting myself out there as saying, here's what I did in my classroom as a second-year teacher. You should not only do what I'm doing, but you should pay me money to hear about that. You're not ready. I'm sorry. You're not ready. <laughs> and I wasn't ready. And sometimes I still like I feel like I'm still not ready. But the point being, like, give yourself some time to grow and develop your own skills as a teacher, like you said, like – you know, well, for, yeah, and before I mean, you become a teacher of teachers, ethically, I've got some issues ethically because yeah. ethically, I think that it is misguided to focus on I'm going to be a teacher of teachers like right out of the gate. You yeah. really teaching is a craft, and it takes many, much time and experience and like learning to really do it justice and to really do it well, and you owe it to your students to do this. Also yes. ethically, and I'll just touch on this a little bit because this is such not a so not a popular opinion. I'm a little concerned about cluttering up the music ed online world with mediocre and frankly, I'm not going to curse, bad <laughs> pedagogy and stuff. Yeah. Now there's good stuff and there's bad stuff, and it's not vetted. The yep. good stuff's not vetted, the bad stuff's not vetted, and all the in between. And it kind of. I know this is like the world is not on my side on this one, but I'm a little bit heartbroken when I go and I Google um, a specific song and instead of finding like really great sites, I have to wade through 10 listings of music teacher blogs that may or may not have correct information, worthwhile information. And we're doing this. We're putting all this information online, and it's affecting algorithms and all this stuff. But I know Pandora's box is already open, so it's not like we can control it. (sighs) Anybody can say anything and put it out there. We're doing it right now. Um, Right. But, yeah, you've got to – let's let's look at some critical thinking and let's think about what we are cluttering our feeds and our brains with. Yeah. There's There's great stuff. And there's bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, be wary as a consumer that things are not vetted. Also, just be wary as a producer of things that maybe you just don't want to produce things quite yet. 
produce amazing lesson plans for your students. Right. And that's not going to get you pedagogy. It's not going to get your fame and fortune. That's the problem. And if you need a side hustle because you need to make more money, fine. There's, there's lots of side hustles you can do that don't have to do with teaching teachers. Not yet. Not yet. You'll get there. Just pace yourself. And and honestly, this has to do with burnout, too. Because if you are trying to do all of this stuff and maintain a TPT store and a blog, and you're basically trying to build, you know, your brand within your first couple years of teaching, you're going to get burnout. You are. I just, I can't. I just can't even imagine because I know as an experienced teacher, just doing this podcast is sometimes like, oh, are we doing this today? I'm so tired. So yeah, we're saying this out of love and compassion that you don't want to burn yourself out by focusing on that. Yeah. And all that said, I don't know what it's like to be a 10 years, 15 years, 20 years younger teacher in the world. world. There's a lot of pressure to do that. that. And we might sound a little old and curmudgeon and we're okay with that. Yeah, I think we've made a name for ourselves like that anyway. It doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So our last bit of help then after we sat there and complained is know how to ask for help. Know how to reach out to your mentors, to the people that you find inspiration from. However, <laughs> know how to do so tactfully. So here's some examples of what we, we don't like to see, Tanya and I. What's an example? I need first grade songs and chants. Go! <laughs> Yeah, I We're just... We're not a fan of those kind of I, I, I hate the go. Yeah. Right. Like, um, oh, I'm going to go find stuff for you to tell you right now. i for you right now. Yeah. So, like, just if you're going to ask a question, be specific. Like, I am looking for, does anyone have an idea for a first grade song or chant to practice rest? Thank you. And, <laughs> and, and maybe go. <laughs> before you do that, um, there's a search function. Yes. Within yes. your Facebook groups. Yes. Within everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really good, it's really well done because a little while ago, and this is in Instagram as well. Yeah. Can we, fo- can we find things on Instagram? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not as good well, I will Instagram. say that on Facebook a few months ago, I was looking for a specific post I had read like a while ago yeah and I remembered um like the first name of the person and I remembered like some specifics about what post said and I didn't even go into any of my groups I just searched search Facebook and it, and popped, up. it popped up yeah so yeah. it's a good tool yeah, searching and googling I mean you're gonna find like you said then you gotta vet and you gotta know but that's at least a good place to start before you create another post or reach out to somebody personally and then as far as sending you know direct messages you know Tanya and I we get direct messages from people and we certainly don't mind you know replying to these things but just be aware of your timing if you're gonna ask for some advice and you're looking for something it better not be for your lesson plan for tomorrow because keep in mind most of us we're also teachers and, you know, you kind of want to reach out to the people who are yeah. actually currently teaching. But the point being, like, you know, I might not have time to respond to you on that 24 day. Yeah. hours. You know, Tanya might not. So I have know. been berated for not replying to a Facebook direct message, like, within yeah. a few hours. Yeah. When I replied the next day, I, I got some, some pushback about right. that. But. So just, yeah, keep in mind the timing. Keep in mind, you know, what labor are you asking? If it's just a quick, let me just find this song in a book for you, sure. If I need to, like, type out a whole big, long explanation for something, it's probably not going to happen. 
Right. And, and if, if you, it's something if, that we've talked about in a previous podcast and you reach out to us and say, do you have any tips and tricks on classroom management? Guess what? We're probably just going to post point you towards a former episode on classroom management. Right. right. Yeah. I'm not going to sit down and write you like five paragraphs on thing. that. Yeah. yeah. Like we have show notes. We try to be good about our show notes and keeping those, you know, detailed and up to date and everything. And you know, this is talking about us specifically. I, I can't speak for other, you know, teachers and providers and mentors, but you know, just just things to keep in mind when you're asking people questions or asking people to do labor for you. Just, you know, be thankful. And be specific. Yeah. Don't ask, how, how do I teach music? Can you answer me yeah. within yes. the hour? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and maybe specific. if it's something that's Googleable, maybe Google first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And finally, and finally, this is a shameless <laughs> plug. Be thankful. And if you feel like you have the means to do so, maybe offer a little something. And right. with that said, on our Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast.com page. Is that where it is, Tom? Yes, yes, okay. is. <laughs> I haven't even looked at it yet. I feel so embarrassed to say. We have a little button on there. What does the button say? Buy me a coffee. Buy us a coffee. Buy us a coffee. Yeah, so if yeah. you have ever, and you know, this, this, this is for anyone who's listening, if you've ever felt like any advice we've given you either on this podcast or past podcasts has been helpful, mm-hmm. we would love for you to, to buy us a coffee. Click right. on that button and give whatever you feel comfortable because guess what? We make zero dollars for this podcast. We spend we, dollars. We spend dollars for this podcast. Um, you know, we are not, we're not selling things. We're not, we don't have any, you know, sponsorships or advertising right. at this time. And so. it's not just us. If you, um, if there's someone in town, like that you are, uh, you consider a mentor and you're like, you know, I'd really like to talk to you about fill in the blank. Um, it I mean, I know it's COVID time still, but it, it's always a lovely thing when someone says, hey, let me take you out for coffee and let's talk about um, concerts and programs. Right. I'm thrilled to do that because I love talking about yeah. all that stuff and I love coffee. Yeah. So if somebody says, oh, you know what, let's meet up and I'd love to buy you a coffee, I'm just over the moon. Oh, totally. When somebody does yeah, that. Yeah. I met a student. I met a couple. No, just one. I met a student at a baseball game. Oh, because um, both we both had students who were singing there. There, yeah. And uh, he was like, "Hey, you know, can I buy you a beer?" And that was great because yeah. it's a baseball game. Right. And we were done with the students, and he's like, "Can I just buy you a beer and can we talk about X?" And Pick I was your like, "Brain for a little cool, bit. Cool. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. So definitely reach out, ask for help, but be thankful and uh, buy a coffee. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah." Now it's time for our Know Better, Do Better. And Carrie, you're going to talk about a specific song for us? Yeah, yeah. So this segment, you know, sometimes we talk about practices. Sometimes we we grapple with big things. And today it's about a specific piece of repertoire. So I want to talk about the song Fire in the Mountain. Run, run, run. Um, So this particular version that we're about to sing for you can be found in the American Methodology text by Ann Eisen and Lamar Robertson. And here's how it goes. I'm going to start here. Okay. Okay. Fire in the mountain, run, boys, run. You and the red coat follow with the drum. The drum shall beat and you shall run. Fire in the mountain, run, run, run. Oh, yes. Run, boys, run. There Sorry. you go. Yeah. Okay. So this song has appeared on 
the list titled Songs with a Questionable Past, which is compiled by Lauren McDougall. We love you, Lauren. We love you, Lauren. And this, that I want to directly quote Lauren in her words. Um, I always tell people when people look at this list to make sure they read the first page first, because the first page sets the tone of what this list is intended to do. And I just want to directly quote Lauren where she says, trust your heart and treasure your students first. Then use your knowledge and judgment to make an inclusive and informed pedagogical decision. So nowhere does Lauren ever say, hey everybody, here's a list of songs you can't do anymore. No. And that is how this list has been passed around, especially in social media. Uh, sometimes I see people who, who literally say, well you can't do that song anymore because it's on the list. And that's not the purpose of the list. No. The purpose of the list is to lead us towards research, and we are so thankful to Lauren and everyone who has contributed to this list because it is just, um, it's a rabbit hole and wealth of knowledge, right. and um, Fire in the Mountain is a great example. So, you know, sometimes I've heard people say, I, Fire in the Mountain is problematic because um, it has a relationship with the song Jim Along Josie. I've also heard people say Fire in the Mountain is problematic because it talks about guns, and talking about guns in a school setting could be problematic. Um, Tanya just brought up something that I hadn't even thought about, the fact that it's Fire in the Mountain, run, boys, run. Yeah, and, and this is why specific. Yeah, I, I, I struggle singing just now because I don't sing run, boys, run. I just sing run, run, run. Right. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll break down all three of those. Break and this is kind of how I think of this song, and this is the... I will say somewhat informed pedagogical decision. I'm not going to say I've spent hours and hours of research on this, but on, on this list, and we will we'll link to it in our show notes, there are lots of different places you can go and read and make your own informed pedagogical decision. So going back to the first point that this song is related to Jim and Long Josie, yes and, yes but, from the research that I've read, they were not intertwined from the beginning. Jim Along Josie was a song that was created within the blackface minstrel genre. It was specifically created to be a mocking representation of African American people. And you've talked about that song specifically in yes, a previous episode. I have. We will link to that. I'll link to that too. Yeah. Um, the, the evidence there is pretty clear for me. That song does not have a place in my repertoire because it is specifically written to be a mocking depiction of a cultural right. group. And I am sorry for all the people that I have um, taught yeah. that song to. I and, as well. and I'm sorry to my students who former I taught level that one songs to. student yeah. uh, teachers, real teachers now. <laughs> I'm um, talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to you. I yeah. am sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. AJ. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I love you, AJ. So, Fire in the Mountain is a song that exists of itself. Now, interestingly enough, Fire in the Mountain is pretty intertwined with Hey Betty Martin. Tippy-toe, tippy-toe. Yes. Which, okay, so then you get into this whole thing about fiddle tunes and how fiddle tunes are passed down and how verses are created. Now, are there verses out there of Fire in the Mountain that exist that are not appropriate? Yes. There are some that speak about indigenous people in a derogatory way, about drinking. Um, but if you get back to the, the root of the song, it actually comes from England first, and it's a fiddle tune that came from England, and the text, of course, like all folk music, has changed in a million ways. Now, could somebody make a different decision than I'm about to make and say, well, if at any point in time this song is tied to anything else that is, you know, not appropriate, I'm not going to do it in my class, fine. 
in my opinion, and this is just me speaking, Carrie Nicholas, you can email us at musicteachercoffeetalk at gmail.com with your research and your opinion, and that's fine. I would never be angry about that. But in my opinion, this song existed on its own in a pure way that was not written to be you know, detrimental to a certain group of people or mocking of a certain group of people. So I'm okay with it being in my classroom. Yep. That's kind of the conclusion I came to, and I'm sticking with the American Methodology version because it does have roots back to early 1900s, and yes, there's a million other versions of the song, but this is the one I'm going to use pedagogically for my students, and the reason why I use it pedagogically is for the T-Ticka rhythm yes. <laughs> in the end of the day, okay? So that's how I come to term with problem number one. Okay. Problem number two, and I think there's definitely a case for this, that it was probably originally you know, with the red coat follow with a gun because guess what drum and run don't mm-hmm. rhyme no. so yes it was probably originally gun and there's lots of versions that speak of gun i'm gonna stick with the one that uses drum and mm-hmm. i'm okay with that because to me that doesn't change the like inherent history of the song or the story that the song is telling which is kind of a revolutionary war you know, kind of story. Um, I can see how some teachers might feel that anything that refers to guns is not appropriate in elementary school. Other teachers might say, you know what, I'm okay with that because this is a song about war and that's just part of learning about war is weapons were used. But we also know, and we live here in Colorado, where speaking about guns in school is very, very sensitive subject here. Mm -hmm. So know your kids and know your location. So that's all I have to say about that. But I'm going to stick with this version that uses drum. But I'm so glad, Tanya, you brought up this issue of gender and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't changed the words from run, boys, run. But I can see how doing that, and you just said that you just say run, run, run. Yeah. So you're changing one word. It doesn't change the rhythmic or melodic content. And it really doesn't change the intent of the song. So that's an example of an easy switch that makes the song perhaps more gender inclusive. Is it historically accurate? Maybe not so much because it was likely more men and boys who were going to war at the time and we know this but in the case of this song if you're playing the game just changing it to run 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 I don't see any issue with that whatsoever I've been doing it for a while and I like I we were talking earlier I did this song just last week yeah yeah so I just wanted to highlight that this is a song that is on the list it's good to know the history and the understanding of this idea of floating verses and how floating uh titles and how these folk songs kind of interweave and co-mingle and then at the end of the day you just have to make a decision for yourself right and I chose to keep it even though it's on quote-unquote the list I think we need to make a a little meme a picture of you with a piece of cardboard it's like I'm still singing fire on the mountain (laughs) challenge (laughs) me me. fight me yeah what is what is that meme yeah totally yeah and I mean in all seriousness if you have read research that you feel is gonna oh change my mind change my mind it is yes you want to change my mind it's not about that it's it's about knowing better and doing better Mm -hmm. and there's more reading to be done and if I read more and I say oh wow you know what never mind that said I'm I love throwing down over oh just about anything oh it's fun to have these discussions yeah it is it really gives some insight so if you feel very strongly anti-fire on the mountain please let (laughs) Let us us know know. and let us know specifically the research that led you to that conclusion because that's my caveat if somebody's gonna say I will do this song or I won't do this song show me the research that helped you come to that decision now if you just don't want to do it because you don't like it that's a different thing and we totally get that and we agree on other songs so okay that's all I have to say about that very nice 
So now it's time to share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And everyone, I am so excited. <laughs> Tanya shared this with me earlier and we got so off track because it's so good. So Tanya, go, okay. go for so, it. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we were talking, we were a little anti-Instagram a little bit earlier, but now <laughs> there are some people that I love, love, love following because yes what you know they just give little nuggets of gold here and there and one of them is a primary kind of life oh not a music teacher no she is a classroom teacher and actually i think she teaches fourth grade so not really a primary kind of life but but that's what that's her handle so um tech oh my goodness during the pandemic so much so much tech things that she's dropping that i love so very recently she was talking about something called classroomscreen.com and so when you go there you get a a screen that you can use and project on your smart board or whatever board you've got going on um and you can change the background there's already a lot of pictures in there but you can open up a whiteboard that you can draw on and i've noticed that when i draw on this whiteboard it straightens out lines a lot better than i've been using um jamboard quite a bit mm-hmm. and drawing with the with the trackpad and it's just laughable yeah um you can put text in there, just typing. You can put a QR code. So when you open the QR code, you go to a different site. You can just um, copy that link and put it in and it'll create a QR code. You can put media. You can put YouTube videos in here. There's a little thing that's um, dice. You can roll one dice or two or three dice. There is a traffic light that you could use. There's lots of different ways you could use that. There's a timer on here. There's a stopwatch. There's a clock. There's work symbols, so you could flash up there. Ooh, silence. And there's a little um, profile, simple drawing of somebody with their hand who their uh the shush shush thing yeah (laughs) um there's a random name picker so you could take the time to type in the names of the kids in your class and randomly pick and the kids see oh aiden it's his turn now right um there's just all these um opportunities so many things so many fun things and we discovered that the the drawing board there is a a staff template there's a five line staff template it's a little small it is a little small but the other cool thing is on the drawing pad you can upload your own images yeah so, so here's what i'm gonna do staff yeah you can. if you want, you a, want a three line staff. staff oh my gosh rhythmic dictation so oh many my things. gosh there's so many things and then the thing that i got the most excited was you can have multiple boards preloaded and ready to go so you can have one for each grade with your youtube videos ready to go your drawing board ready to go your qr code okay now they're going to go explore this website ready to go oh my gosh and you can layer these on top of like within one lesson you could have a couple of the drawing windows layered on top of each other yeah and you could click them away as you go along Yes. Yeah. I'm obsessed. It's it's very cool. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, primary so kind of. Um, yeah. So, classroomscreen.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yep. And now our CODA section, where we get to give a shout out to something awesome happening, or that we like, or love, or any of those things. So, yeah. Carrie. Well, this is a plug for something we're going to love. 
<laughs> I you better love, love it. it. Yeah. Um, so I want to put in a plug for the Oak Western Division Virtual Mini Conference, which is going to be held on October 23rd. Um, as past president of the Western Division, I'm on the planning committee for this conference, and we've been working really hard to make this be a fantastic conference, and I'm really, really proud and excited about yeah. it. Um, first of all, Kelly Foster Griffin is our keynote speaker yeah. from Seattle. And she's fantastic. She's yeah. been, everything she does is fantastic. She's going to do um, her keynote speech is all about... Um, you know, optimism and thinking forward and, and moving forward from this, you know, pandemic that we've been dealing with that's affected everything. And then she's also doing a closing session about SEL, which is near and dear to our hearts, yeah. Tanya, as we read that book. So yay for that. Um, there's going to be 20 breakout sessions throughout the day, which sounds insane. And then you're like, oh, well, I can't go to everything. But wait, there's more. They're going to be recorded so you can watch them 60 days after the conference, just people. Who you are, could watch all of them. You can watch all of them. You're not going to miss anything. And guess what? One of our presenters is our very own Tanya Lejeune from Music Teacher Coffee Talk. So excited. And your presentation is going to be about... And this is brand new for me. I have not done this presentation. Well, but you've done this work Well, no, students. I've done this work with my <laughs> students. But what I'm saying is that, you know, this is... This is something that I've not done anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be talking about student choice and student voice in a Kodai music classroom. That's so great. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just really excited about this conference. Oh, and then Tanya and I, we're <laughs> after uh, Kelly's closing session, there's going to be like an optional opportunity for connection. Um, and so we, as Music Teacher Coffee Talk, are hosting like a little social hour. Yeah. Although it's a social 45 minutes technically. But who knows? Maybe it'll go longer. Raise a so, glass. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can grab a coffee. You can grab something stronger. And we're going to just, you know, depending on how many people are there, maybe go into breakout rooms. You know, we're just going to wing it. But we're <laughs> it's just your opportunity. It's, it's going to be social time. This is your opportunity to connect like we were talking about, whether you're a first-year teacher or a 21st-year teacher or 41st-year teacher. And care. Do you have to be a member of the Western Division of Oak to attend this conference? No, you don't even have to be a member of Oak to attend this conference. So, yeah. Oh, I should have the pricing right in front of me. Um, uh, we'll put the we'll, link. We'll put the link. It's it's actually very reasonable. Um, yeah, you do not have to be a member of the Western Division. That's the beauty of a virtual conference. Anybody can attend, and you can go in your jammies, which is always great. Yes. Register, attend. It's going to be a blast. Okay, my plug is done. Okay. So, Tanya, what's your coda? Um, Well, this is right now as we record it, Saturday afternoon. And this morning, me and my family went to Van Gogh Alive. It's the last few weeks of Van Gogh Alive here in Denver. And it's an immersive Van Gogh exhibit where we're not seeing the exact works um, because those are elsewhere. But there's information about his best works and really mostly about Van Gogh the artist Van Gogh's life and there are also um, Van Gogh's works projected on these screens projected on the floor it's accompanied by music and so my husband is an art teacher the the art teacher at my home school Um, and one of the first things that connected me and my husband is that um, I've always been really interested in in viewing art and um one of the first conversations we had was that uh, we were talking about video art, which was, this was a while ago. Um, but like he 
we and I, he and I were able to discuss like some more unique art that most people are not like know about. And so this has always been like one of our early touch points. So it was just really nice to go. And like, I can have these conversations with my husband that are a little bit more than that's pretty. I like it. Like, (laughs) and and he brings so much to the conversation because of his art expertise that like, I can ask him like these deeper questions. And so it was great as an exhibit, but even more so that we really, just were able to like have just awesome grown-up talk about art and curating we talked a lot about curation because I was making connections between music they were playing and the art that was showing at the same time cool because whoever curated it was very specific about that sure at times though it's like wait a minute this piece I know was written like 30 years after Van Gogh's time, but it kind of signals our society that, oh, it's French. Like, you know, right. you hear that Eric Satie piece and you're like, oh, gymnopathy number one, it's French, right? right. And here's this French period or whatever. Okay. Um, so there was that. But they also, they had this, orche- not orchestral, but they had an instrumental version of, of Sakura while they were talking about, or while they were showing his cherry blossom. Ah pictures and not everyone is going to pick up on that so I thought oh that's very clever so it led us into this deeper conversation about like how important curation is and how whoever's curating really leads you in a certain direction about what quotes they show on the wall what pictures what music they kind of form your opinion and is that good is that bad anyway interesting so it was just really fun our children were with us they're a little grumpy <laughs> they weren't so much picking up well on the and yeah the well when craig and i go because we went to europe before we got married yeah. um before we had children we went a couple of times and the two of us just love to spend a day like in an art gallery or a museum oh yeah and like hours and hours and hours and we're just happy 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 children our children not so much (laughs) yeah but it was just a really fun um I'm not gonna say interactive because it's not like you're interacting but immersive it's immersive. immersive exactly oh and they also there was a big there was a write up about how there was smells that were supposed to accompany it and they talked in detail about, like, the base smell and the middle smell and the... I don't know. You didn't get the smells? I I didn't get the smell. I mean, I was wearing a mask, and then I took my mask off for a little bit, and mm. I didn't get those smells. Hmm. I think I got my son's smells. I was going to say, your teenage <laughs> smells. <laughs> but anyway, um, I didn't really... Like, I don't know if that was happening for real, but huh. that would have been fun. And I'm not sure what the psychological... <laughs> They, Becca, maybe we'll talk smells. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, our friend know. Becca. Our friend Becca, who oils? has oils. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good time, fun, lovely art. Yeah. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be talking about advice and tips for established and veteran music teachers. So until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking. Music